This is the Firearm Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 9, published on November 1st, 2021. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and our topic today will be creating a website for your business. Our podcast is part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites in any light and made in the USA. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website, ftaprotect.com, to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and the competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by adding promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by XS Sites. XS has been in business for 25 years making sites for pistols, rifles, and shotguns here in the USA. They are a company of shooters and gun lovers that offer unprecedented level of support from their 30-day satisfaction guarantee to their 10-year warranty. I love their suppressor sites on my Glock 19. I'm sure you would too. So go out and give them a try. We bring this podcast, support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Now let's get on with the show. Today, we're joined by Jacob Paulson from ConcealedCarry.com. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you, Rob. Glad you have you on. Uh, you've been one of our more frequent guests, but uh, always very good information to pass on to our uh, listeners and always great to have you on. Thank you. Uh, real quick, uh, for those listeners that haven't heard from you before, what's your background in the uh, firearm industry? So I got involved in the firearm industry first in 2007, and I've been a firearm instructor since then and slowly have grown a business. Started out as more of an instructor network, working with other instructors to help market their classes. I'm an internet marketer by trade. I come from the internet marketing space and so grew, grew a firearm network doing a firearm instructor network doing that. And then in 2015, uh, we rebranded as and acquired concealedcare.com and really grew as to uh, an e-commerce uh, business. So today we primarily make our money selling products on concealedcare.com, but we also are a news platform. People, we have full-time writers talking about industry news and you know, doing reviews and all that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to be all things to everybody concealed carry. Great. Well, then this will be a topic right up your alley again. Um, Today, we're going to talk about building a website because as everybody knows, if you're going to be a fire, firearm instructor, you got to have some way of uh, promoting, some way of, uh, you know, a home that people can find information out about you. And of course, there's different places you can get, you know, simple directory listings, but most of us want to have something where we can uh, list our classes, maybe take payments, uh, do all those kind of things and have a presence on the web. And that is a very big, big question to try to go along and determine exactly uh, how to get that going. So glad to have you on to talk about that. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yep. Uh, I mean, when, in 2007, when I put up my first website related to farm training, most of the instructors in my in, in my local area didn't have a website. So, you know, today that's no longer acceptable. If you're a farm instructor and you don't have a website, I hope you don't plan on growing your business. I hope that you plan on only ever having friends and family come to your class. It's it's mm -hmm. no longer, I mean, it's just a requirement for professionalism and credibility. Yeah, it's what I would call, you know, it's your business card anymore because when somebody goes along and says, you know, I want to find this class, you know, here, what do they do? They Google it. They're yep. not going to build Google and and listen and have their friends tell them, oh yeah, I took this great class from Rob down the street. They're going to Google it and and if there's Jacob that's 300 miles away, Jacob will get my business versus me being right down the street from him just because that's where people's expectations are from. Yep. Um, well, hey, first uh, thing that comes when building a website is what are your thoughts on domain names? 
So domain names are like real estate on the internet. So you, you buy a domain name so that you can control that real estate. Uh, so the, the first problem I think that people have is they restrict their, their business to, only to the, whatever domains are available because we're all too cheap. You can go purchase a domain name for somewhere probably between $9 and $13 a year uh, in today's, uh, you know, as, as of this recording. And so you're likely to just say, well, what's available? And so you go say, well, I want to be, you know, Bob's Tactical Firearm Solutions. And so you go check and Bob's Tactical Firearm Solutions.com is taken. Like, oh, okay, I guess it can't be that. And you keep trying new things until you find something that's available. Well, in today's world, nothing really good is available. And so that's that's my first two cents is that you probably need to be willing to hunt down and try buying domains from people. Um, I, I have I have at least 20 times gone to buy a domain that I wanted, saw that it was not available, contacted the owner of that domain and said, I want your domain. What will you sell it for? And then successfully negotiated a purchase and got it. That's happened to me many times. And one of those, by the way, is concealedcarry.com. So I, I think that, you know, that's my first piece of advice is don't be afraid to work a little to get the domain you want. Just because it's not available doesn't mean you can't get it. First thing, you, if the domain's not available, first thing you do is just type it into the browser and hit go. Does the website actually exist? Because if not, if there's no website there, then whoever owns it isn't using it. So your odds of con- successfully convincing them to sell it to you just went up pretty, pretty high, pretty tremendously. And there's other things we could go down the rabbit hole, but there's ways to uh, you know, get contact information for that domain owner and, and, and attempt to work with them to buy their domain. And my second thought about domains, and this will be my last thought on this, Rob, is that there's this whole topic of search engine optimization and attempting to be at the top of search results when people search for what they're searching for, right? So if I want to be number one on Google and someone types in Ohio Concealed Carry Class, then a really good domain would be ohioconcealedcarryclass.com. Now, sometimes that doesn't really translate well. You're like, well, that sounds like a dumb you know, domain. Well, maybe, but, but while it's not the only factor, in fact, I would not even say it's a major factor, it is a factor that will help you rank in search engine results for a search phrase uh, if, that, if, the, if the key terms in that search phrase are part of your domain. So that's something to consider. Uh, when you're picking your domain and choosing your business name, might not be a bad idea to own a domain that includes your primary search terms. I, I said that was my last one. I got a third thought quickly, Rob. Um, you, you can only ever have one primary domain for a given website. So in, in my case, conciliatory.com, that's our primary domain. You know, if you go to it, you go to the website, that's what Google sees, that's what Yahoo sees, that's what Bing and DuckDuckGo, that's what they see. Now, I own a bunch of other domains that all redirect to conciliatory.com. But, but the, the domains that redirect have no search engine value at all. I purely own them to prevent my competitors from owning them. So if you say, well, I've got these four different domains that are all really good, and you know the, the main one's going to be jacobpaulson.com because that's my name and I want people to see my name, uh, but I'm also going to buy ohioconcilcarryclass.com because that's really good for search engines, and I'll just re- redirect it to jacobpaulson.com. You're naive. You're not doing yourself any good for the search engine. Only the primary domain has any impact whatsoever on search engine results. Now, if you want to buy that other domain and redirect it just to prevent your competitors from owning it, that's fine business. Okay, good. Well, we got a domain. We got something that'll be good in search. What do we do as far as uh, trying to build a website? You know, we know there's some products out there that'll do it, do it kind of automatically for us, but probably most are, uh, you know, the better websites are, you know, has some customization or, or a little bit more work goes into them, I assume. So I think, 
I need to get some vocabulary out of the way so that the rest of this conversation I don't confuse anyone. So let's let's just get like four, do, you know, three. Let's just get three vocab words out. Um, the first one is domain registrar. So domain registrar is a company from which you buy a domain, like we were just talking about, right? OhioConsultCarryClass.com or JacobSPaulson.com or ConsultCarry.com. You know, I have to go to a domain registrar to buy that domain from them. There, GoDaddy is probably the most noteworthy, you know, highest reputation one. Domain.com. I use Uniregistry.com. I think it's the best, but whatever. Like you can buy a domain anywhere. The domain, once you purchase it from a registrar, you need to know you do not have to build your website on that same site. So in other words, if I buy my domain from GoDaddy, I do not have to build my website on GoDaddy. It's not required. My domain can be registered with GoDaddy and I can go build my website anywhere else I want to. And that's true of every registrar. So that's that's an important thing you need to know. You are not limited about where you can build your website or where it can be hosted based on where your domain is registered. It's, it's not a limitation. Mm-hmm. Second vocab word is web hosting. So a host or a web host or the place that does your hosting is a company who you are paying them to rent some computer server space in a air-conditioned basement somewhere, okay? Like they, they are, in a very literal sense, they, they are hosting, they, they, are, they're, they own the computer that all your files are on. And their job is to make sure that they are always are connected to the internet so when people access your website, they can always access it, okay? Third and last, we have what I'll call the website builder or if for fancy geeks like me, we'll call it a CMS. So a CMS stands for Content Management System, uh, but this is, you know, it's, it's the tool, it's the software you're using to actually build the website. For example, WordPress is a CMS, it's a website builder. GoDaddy has their own native tool, they call it the GoDaddy Web Builder or whatever. Wix, they have a web builder tool. Uh, Square, they have a web builder tool. Shopify is a web builder tool. Uh, Big Commerce, so we could go on and on and on, there's tons of them, right? So, so. I just want to make sure we get the vocab out of the way. So as I go through this, we don't confuse anyone. The domain registrar is where you where you register your domain. It's independent. It could be in the same place you do your hosting and your web builder, but it, it doesn't have to be. It's an independent thing. Your web hosting is the company you pay money to probably monthly or annually just to hold the files so people can access your website. And then the website builder or CMS tool, whichever you prefer to use, is the software that actually you use day to day to make the website look how you want it to look. So far, so good, Rob? Yep. I'm following along along with you and glad you uh, got those terms defined. So the other thing we're going to have to do here is we're going to go through this and I'm going to explain some very generic information that has nothing to do with the firearm industry. And then, Rob, I'm going to count on you to remind me to then also come back and say, given that we're talking about guns, what are Mm -hmm. some other considerations that are important here? That was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's 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 critical if you care about you know freedom and stuff. So okay, let's let's start this. It a lot of companies that people are using to build websites, they force you to buy their hosting and website builder together. So I'll give you an example: Wix. Okay, you can't. I can't go to Wix and say, "Hey, I want to build my website using WordPress, but I want to host it with Wix." That's not an option. Right, like if, if I'm going to host my website with Wix, I also have to build my website with their software, with their builder, with their CMS, and the vice versa is also not it is also true. I can't go to GoDaddy and say, hey, I want to host my website with GoDaddy, but I'd like to use the Wix uh, software builder to build my website. 
It's not an option. So you, that's the first thing I want you to look out for. Is some of these companies, they force you to use their hosting and their website builder. In my opinion, that is a bad idea. It's a bad idea for so many reasons. One, those are always the most expensive options because they're providing you a complete solution and you're going to pay more for it in almost every case. The second reason is because if you ever get dissatisfied with that host, if you're ever like, you know what, their downtime sucks or I think they're too expensive or they're, they can't handle the traffic I'm getting anymore, I want to migrate over to this other web host, you have to rebuild your website from scratch. That's going to suck. Like You can't just transfer the website to a different host because the web builder is unique to that host. Right, the software won't allow it to transfer, so you're you're gonna have to start from scratch. And ask me how many times I've had to do that before. Right, decide to migrate my website to a new host and say, "Suck, I got to rebuild this thing from scratch." You'll only do that once or twice before you decide that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So I I strongly discourage people from using any service that that forces you to use both the host and the website builder. I'll give you. An, I mean, by the way, it could be the opposite. Maybe you love the host. Maybe you love Square. You know, you think that that's the best website. Uh, host in the world, but you decided that their builder, their website software, their, their web builder CMS tool is restrictive. And your buddy over here, he uses this other thing and it, he, you love how he can do X, Y, and Z. And so you want to be able to do that too. Well, you can't call up Wix and be like, Hey, can I, can I now use this other web builder? Like, no, you don't want to use our web builder. You leave our service completely. You go find some new place to host it. So mm-hmm. once again, you're starting from scratch. There's nothing good about that plan. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things that popped in my mind as you're talking about, you know, leaving the hosting, how does the firearm industry uh, uh, couple with that? Because I know Square isn't necessarily 2A friendly specifically. So I put companies in this space, well, really in any space, in, in one of three tiers. Uh, th- this is what I have to do professionally. And I think this will help anyone who's listening to this. A uh, tier one is what I would call gun friendly, right? loves guns. They want you to sell guns. They want you to shoot guns. They want you to put pictures of people shooting guns on, on the web. Like they just, it's all good. Like, you know, it's fine. Like Cabela's could use that service and it'd be okay. They would, you know, they'd be fine. And then we'll have tier two. Tier two are companies, and this is by the way, the majority of the companies we're familiar with. Tier two companies um, have restrictions about some gun things, but you can't sell guns. You can't sell ammo. You can't sell, you know, knives or pointy things. But you can sell holsters, you can sell training, you can sell classes, you can, you know, so it's sort of like, well, as long as you don't cross this line, we're okay with it. And this is, this is a huge bucket of companies. We're talking about uh, Square, Wix, PayPal, uh, Stripe, um, Facebook, Amazon, Google, <laughs> Twitter, right? Uh, I mean, we're talking about huge, some of the largest conglomerates in the world. They're in tier two. Most of these companies, they're okay with some of it. But they draw a line somewhere. They have some policy where, you know, past this line, no go. But as long as you only come up to here, you're okay. And the average firearm trainer, firearm instructor, whose whole business is just selling classes and, and seats in classes, you're, you can probably do business with any tier two company. Now, that doesn't mean you should. You might say, well, I, yeah, but I don't want to support them if they're not, you know, tier one, if they don't just love guns and, and everything to do with them. But there's a there's a, a premium that comes to doing business with the tier one players. You're gonna pay more. It's gonna be more expensive because those companies they cater to the firearm industry. They know they do. They know that a lot of the businesses in the firearm industry have no other choice and no alternative, and so they charge more. They charge a premium. So 
in my opinion, the average small business in, the, in our industry, firearm instructor, it does not make sense to pay a premium to, to deal with the tier one companies because you, you can't afford it. You're just <laughs> like maybe one day. But, but I think you need to be accepting that you're going to have to deal with tier two companies. So tier three companies, you, you need to steer away from, right? Tier three companies are like, no. If you have the word gun anywhere to do on your website, like we want nothing to do with you. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Don't give them your money. It's going to end poorly. They're going to catch you. They're going to shut you down and you're going to hate your life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, yeah, that's where I'm at in that, that question. Okay. Well, hey, after we got a uh, web hosting provider, um, what are our options when it comes to CMS tools? So presuming you, you, you're not stuck using the two things together. So examples of companies that I think you should not do business with because the hosting and the CMS is, is correlated one sold as a, as a single package and product. I mentioned Wix, we mentioned Square, Shopify. Shopify is probably one of, maybe the biggest one out there in this, in this category. Uh, I, I would not do business with Shopify. That's one of many reasons. Um, I, I, think, I think we just gotta stay away from these companies. Uh, now, GoDaddy, I'll just quickly clarify. GoDaddy does have their own web builder, but they don't force you to use it. So you can use GoDaddy as your web host, but use a different CMS tool. So just, just so everyone's aware. So then we got to look at, okay, well, what CMS tools then are out there that uh, are, are probably you know, worth playing with that are not tied to a specific host? Well, there's a handful uh, if we went back 20 years, I probably could give you five. But today, there's really only like one obvious choice, and that's WordPress. WordPress has become the player. Joomla, Drupal, you know, some of these other competitors that were a thing 15, 20 years ago, they're gone. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're still around. But, but WordPress is so dominant. <laughs> I don't think people understand. More than half of the websites on the planet are run on WordPress. More than that, half. That's a lot. That's a lot. More than a third of e-commerce websites, websites where something can be bought and sold, are run with WordPress as, as, the, as the back-end core CMS. A third. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm talking all in. I'm not just talking here about independent CMS tools that you can use with any web host. I mean, all in, like all websites on planet Earth, more than half are hosted on WordPress. Major websites that I'm not at liberty to say because of NDAs I've signed from, from my past life, but major news websites that, that are major TV networks, that are, that are national operations, um, banks, major U.S. banks run their websites on WordPress, okay? Like, that's how huge this is. So the answer is WordPress. Like, I, I don't know how to be more clear. Having given all the jargon and all the disclaimers, what I'm basically saying is, Go build your website on WordPress. You can host it anywhere. You want to host it on GoDaddy? Cool. You want to host it on HostGator, HostMonster, Bluehost, DigitalOcean, uh, Amazon, Cloud3, Big Scoots. These guys, I mean, there's, there's got to be a billion different hosting companies out there. And you can host anywhere you want if you mm-hmm. want to use WordPress. The only pl- hosts you can't use are the ones that make you use their CMS, the ones we mentioned. Wix, Squarespace, Shopify, etc. So, so... The answer is use WordPress and use a you know the best host you can find at the best price you want because you can because you can shop you, because you can use any host shop around you know get some get some input from people 
and pick one that you think you're going to be happy with and host there and use WordPress. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one thing just, uh, reiterate what you were talking about with WordPress, uh, people should be aware of, you know, part of the reason why it's running over half the websites on the web is because of how customizable it is. And because it's used by so many, there is a lot of independent programming for, um, uh, for widgets, for um, add-ins for there that you can add in to do all kinds of uh, pieces that some of them are free. Some of them you got to purchase, but at the same time as, you know, reiterate what Jacob's talking about, there is a great community out there because of how big uh, or how many websites are actually running on it. Yeah. To put it in words that these listeners will relate to, if you're a person who runs the HKVP, whatever, or you're rocking a Walther, whatever, CCP, you know, and, and, and you are always, are always getting frustrated when you hear about some new sites or some new holster and you go to buy it and you see it's not available for your gun. And you're like, man, do I just have to buy a Glock 19 so I can get the holster and sites that I want? Like, that's the equivalent of what Rob's saying, right? Like, WordPress is so huge, so popular that for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, it's become so massive that the ease of making it do what you want it to do look how you want it to look is is so high because because the the community of people out there making software that you could plug into your wordpress site is immense i mean it's just it's it's beyond people's comprehension frankly and you even customize stuff you know i mean how much custom wordpress software we have on consultcreator.com stuff that doesn't exist it's not that hard to find a developer who specializes in making wordpress stuff but if I was a Shopify site, I I don't even know what I would do. Like it's it's a much smaller community of developers that are much more expensive. So now here's the downside. I hear two general pushbacks on WordPress. The first thing I'll hear from people is I'll hear people say, "Oh, Jacob, a WordPress is so much more complicated. It's just hard, you know, with Wix or GoDaddy, whatever thing I drag and drop and click on this, and it's just so easy." There's some validity to that. Like WordPress was not designed to be the easiest CMS tool on the internet because Mm -hmm. easy correlates with simple and simple correlates with lack of versatility. WordPress was designed to be the most versatile tool on on the web, which means that there's a certain degree of necessary complexity in order for it to be versatile. I get that. I 100% understand it. So that means that if you were to follow my advice, you, you need to do one of two things. Either A... Uh, hire someone who's young and savvy or experienced with WordPress and just let them do it for you and find a family member who will help you out or just learn it. Just like gut up and learn it. The, the, the number of YouTube tutorial videos is, is, is intense. You're going to find an answer to whatever question you have about WordPress with a quick Google search, right? There's, there's the number of websites that are dedicated to tutorials for WordPress is endless. That's crazy. My second piece, uh, second thing that you, you should be aware of, uh, WordPress has come a long way. If you tried it three, four years ago and you think that it wasn't as easy to use as whatever thing you're using, you should probably try it again. And I'll specifically call out two tools that I think make it a lot easier. So one is called Elementor and the other one is called Beaver Builder. So Elementor, Elementor and Beaver Builder are third-party software plugins that you install into WordPress. Uh, they might come with a cost, depending on which one of those you're looking at. Um, but they make the website a lot more drag and drop friendly. They, they make they make WordPress more like what you're used to with Wix and Squarespace uh, in many respects. So they will take some of your frustration out 
by making it easier for you to, to kind of build your website, make it look how you want. They're third-party software that doesn't come with WordPress. That has to be installed into WordPress. Mm-hmm. Part of those add-ins that you can uh, do with uh, with WordPress. You know. Well, hey, one of, one of the things that some people might be uh, thinking about, again, depending upon their experience with WordPress, there's a lot of uh, blog sites where people post articles under WordPress and such. What do we need to do in order to turn that into a e-commerce site so that we can take registrations so we can go along, maybe sell some gear, do those types of, uh, of activities under WordPress. Yeah. So first let's clarify um, the word WordPress can be confusing because there's that WordPress actually could refer to two different things. WordPress.com is a free blogging platform. So, you know, Jacob.wordpress.com kind of thing. And that's hosted by WordPress. It's free. Think like the old like blogger, you know, that was owned by Google back in the day. We're not talking about that. Please know when I say WordPress, that is not what I'm talking about. Do not go get a free blog at WordPress.com. We're referring to WordPress, the self-hosted software, which you find at WordPress.org. And it's software that you install on your own uh, server or on a server that you're paying for someone else to host, paying a web host for. So just to make sure that that's that's clear enough. Uh, WordPress was originally designed to be a blogging platform but it's evolved since then to really be you know, versatile to use for any sort of website. Specific to e-commerce, to taking payments, et cetera, uh, while there used to be a lot of competition for plugins that you could install into WordPress to give yourself some e-commerce capabilities, um, there's no longer competition. It's, it's become, there's only one player, and it's called WooCommerce. And in fact, WooCommerce now uh, owns WordPress. <laughs> so WooCommerce got so popular that they purchased WordPress. Uh, so Automatic is the name of the company that owns those those products now. So WooCommerce is the clear and obvious plugin that you install into WordPress to give yourself e-commerce capabilities. Uh, I'll quickly also note, in case people are thinking the dollar signs are adding up here, WordPress is free. And WooCommerce is free. They are open source, free software. You still have to pay for your domain from a domain registrar. You still have to pay for your hosting with the web host. But WordPress as a software tool is free. And WooCommerce, a plugin that you add to WordPress to give yourself e-commerce capabilities, is also free. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're paying for your domain name, you're uh, hosting, but then all this software we're talking about is uh, free on top of it. Unless, of course, you want customizations or some uh, add-ins that are um, obviously, um, you know, that you are have a cost with them. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's going to be a thing. So you're going to say, well, I want my web store to do this, or I want my web, my WordPress site to do this. Well, you can go search the, the, the archive, the directory of free plugins that exist, and you might find one that does the job for you. Like, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. It was free. Awesome. But yeah, there's going to come some situations where you say, I really need my website to do X thing. And in order to get it to do X thing, you might actually have to go pay for and purchase a, a, a custom, you know, what we would call like a premium plugin from company, potentially WordPress themselves, uh, WooCommerce themselves, they sell a bunch of, their, of plugins, um, but you might have to pay to get, you know, to get your website to do exactly what you want. But generally, those are either one-time purchases for that software, or it might be an annual uh, uh, licensing fee, but we're generally talking about something from 20 to 40 bucks. It's not bad, especially, yeah. when, you, especially when you divide that by, you know, the number of uh, visitors to your sites and the, and the amount of uh, classes you would do, it wouldn't be. 
quick question. If there's an instructor out there who is uh, looking at the different plans that are available from different hosting providers and things like that, what's your suggestion for them when it comes to bandwidth? Because I know even on my own website, you know, you go along and you got the basic bandwidth and then you get the upgraded, then you got the ultimate bandwidth type of thing. Each one of those has a, a dollar figure associated with it. And obviously ultimate bandwidth ends up being really expensive for it. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, depending on how much traffic your site's going to get, it would even change which hosts I think are appropriate. I think some web hosting companies specialize in, 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 in customers, you know, clients like us that have relatively low traffic examples of that would be like HostGator, HostMonster, Bluehost, uh, GoDaddy. Like those are all companies that frankly, they tailor to the small business that gets minimum traffic. And so with those guys, you're probably going to, the plans are going to start out around a hundred bucks a year for hosting. And I think that's a fine place to start, especially if you're new at this. Uh, maybe you are migrating. Maybe you currently use Wix and I've just convinced you that you need to use WordPress with WooCommerce. And so you're going to change hosts. Um, I suspect you don't, mo most flyer instructors are probably not getting enough traffic to worry about anything beyond the basic plan. So I would, I would start there. Now, if you start there and your website's really slow, takes forever for pages to load, uh, or it just sometimes the, the service goes down. If service going is going down often, you need to change hosts. That's not a question of the, the, the plan you're on. That's a question of your host sucking. Uh, but but if it's slow, if the pages just don't load as fast as you want, then maybe you need to upgrade. Maybe you need to throw some more dollars, get a, a better bandwidth plan. Uh, that That's certainly not a bad idea. At some point when your business is really churning, I mean, you're really moving and you're getting students all the time and you have a revenue stream and you can afford to pay for some higher expenses, I think it is probably worth moving to a plan with a dedicated IP address. Uh, so you'll see options when you're signing up for a hosting provider. Most of the cheapest options are shared hosting plans. That means that you and some other websites you don't know about are all sharing the same server, the same IP address, uh, as opposed to a dedicated IP where you're the only one on that IP address. This matters because of reputation. If you're sharing an IP, uh, a server, an IP address with some other company that's not so reputable and they got a bunch of shady crap going on on their website, that has the potential to damage you. In addition, if that other website that you're sharing, uh, you're, you're sharing the IP with, maybe they just get these crazy influxes of traffic. Well, if their website's getting a bunch of traffic today that's unusual, your performance will go down. Your pages will load slower. Again, for the average small business, for the average person listening to my voice right now, probably not a big deal. But if you notice performance issues or you're just, you know, you got the cash and your business is substantial enough that you think you can justify it, you probably want to have the goal of getting to a dedicated IP hosting plan. The other thing that's worth considering is how two-way friendly the host is. So again, you know, I mentioned the tier three, tier two, tier one thing, but I think we need to be careful. You know, in the last uh, year, we saw Parler get shut down. We saw AR15.com get shut down. And these were both websites that are what I would call open discussion websites, forums or social networks where anybody can write anything. And in both cases, their hosts are what I would call tier two hosts, but yet they shut down these companies because the, the websites had some hate speech. You know, people were saying things that the hosts determined that's hate speech, that's against our rules, it has nothing to do with guns, we just don't allow hate speech, and poof, now those websites are shut down. So if you have any questions, you might talk to other, you know, other industry professionals, fire instructors, et cetera, or you might call a host and be like, can I get a manager on the phone? And when that manager gets on the phone, you might say, listen, I'm in the fire ministry. I don't sell guns or ammo, but I do teach fire classes. And I'm wondering, 
uh, very specifically about your policies and what's okay and what's not and how you guys feel about, you know, freedom of speech and whatever. Like ask them very you know, straight questions. I've done that with my web host. I wouldn't dare host with a company that I hadn't had a conversation uh, with, with an executive member of their board, frankly, uh, because I can't afford to have my website, sh- sh- my website shut down tomorrow. And the host is the thing that can shut you down. If WordPress tomorrow decides that they won't work with gun companies, they can't shut off my website. They gave me the software. They gave me the code, and I installed it on a, on a server they don't have access to, and they can't control. They can't shut it down. If WooCommerce tomorrow decides they don't want to allow sales of holsters, they can't turn off my website. Now, they can keep me from getting updates, from getting new updated code, but at least I have time to change to some other new tool, right? Mm-hmm. The host, your web host is the thing that can shut you down you know, in the, in the blink of an eye, just cause they feel like it. So I would be very clear on the policies of my web host. Yeah. And then if they shut you down, you're looking a day or two or more before your appeals could probably get that turned back on just from what I've seen out there in the industry with, you know, AR 15 and, you know, heck it took parlor, what close to six months before they came back online. Well, they, they didn't, they didn't win an appeal. They had to go, right. they somehow luckily had a backup of their data which is another good idea. Uh, and they were able, they just went and found some new host and uploaded the backup and said, Oh, we're over here now. So yeah, that's, that's not fun. So um, again, if you're small business, you know, you're getting 20, 30 students a month, probably not a big deal, but as you scale and grow, those are some considerations you might want to have. Mm-hmm. One last question for you. When it comes to security, everybody's been, uh, I think educated uh, across the web to make sure that we're uh, if we're doing banking, doing any kind of financial uh, operations uh, that's, uh, that we've got an SSL connection shown by the HTTPS, the little lock in our browser, uh, those types of things. What's your thoughts on doing that for a firearm site? Have to have it. 100% required, critical. If, if you're not doing that, you are crazy, you're a fool, and it's a bad idea. So I'm going to give you the why, and then I'll give you two ways to get that done. Um, the first why, if you're taking payments on your site, you're crazy. Like you are leaving, uh, you're le- opening yourself up to a lot of liability, not to mention your conversion rate is going to suck because anyone who's half savvy is not going to want to buy on your website. They're like, oh, this isn't secured. I'm not putting my credit card number in here. Uh, tools like WooCommerce won't even allow it. If you're using WooCommerce, they force you to secure the site before you can use their tool to take a credit card payment. Um, now, you could get away with taking PayPal payments without securing your site, like at a very technical, functional level. But people aren't savvy enough to understand that that's okay, that that's not jeopardizing their information. They still won't sign up for your class because it looks like your site's not secure, even though they don't realize that the transaction is going to take place over on PayPal.com. So just just don't do it. Another reason is because uh, major search engines like Google and Yahoo, they have began, and I would say this is probably true even two years ago, to um, promote higher sites that are fully secured and diminish and punish websites relative to search results that are not fully secured. So even if you don't take any payments, if you don't take any credit cards, if people never put in their information anywhere on your site, it's purely informational only, you are hampering your search engine results by not securing the site. There's two ways you can do this. The the primary and most common way would be to just get an SSL certificate. If you're using a web host uh, that also is the web builder, like the Wixes and Shopify's that we talked about earlier, they'll probably do it for you. It's probably a default part of the package or you pay them extra and they set it up for you. If you're hosting on a third-party host, uh, you might need to contact that host and say, how do I get a SSL certificate 
so I can encrypt my data and make my site secure. There's going to be an extra cost associated with that. Um, that cost is going to vary based on some different things. So I'm hesitant to throw out a number, but just for fun, let's say 50 to $300 a year, depending. Probably most of you are going to be on the lower end of that. Uh, and that, that you, know, you buy that certificate and poof, your site is secure. An alternative way to do this that's slightly more complex but is free is to use Cloudflare. So cloudflare.com, exactly how it's, you think it would be spelled, C-L-O-U-D-F-L-A-R-E.com, is a DNS uh, cloud network. It's a CDN. So how this network works is you run your traffic through them to your website. They, be, they become a middleman uh, when someone goes to your website. And as a middleman, they, they do a couple of things. For one, they block a bunch of bad, negative, unwanted spam traffic, which can damage your website. So that's kind of a nice, good thing. But the other thing they do is they will provide you an SSL certificate for free as part of the service. They are, they are also a freemium uh, service provider, meaning that, that some of their services, their default packages are free, but you can pay them uh, you know, an upgrade to get other additional things. But I'm pretty sure the SSL certificate is part of the free package, if I'm not mistaken. There is some know-how and some complication to getting all that set up, but nothing you couldn't find on a YouTube video. Very good. Very good. That's uh, great information, uh, as I said to begin with, for the uh, new instructor that's looking to set up a web presence and also for those instructors that are out there currently that are thinking about, you know, what can they do to their website to you know, either lower cost or get a better conversion rate or or higher search, uh, search result for. So very good. Uh, question for you, Jacob. You have a uh, influential instructor or book that you'd like to recommend our uh, listeners? Yes. So I am just about on the tail end of reading this book, Long Range Shooting Handbook by Ryan Kleckner. The Long Range Shooting Handbook is a bestseller on Amazon, has been for like years. I don't know how many copies they sell, but I'm guessing it's quite a few. And uh, Ryan would just prefer you to go buy it on Amazon, frankly. Uh, I think he, you can go to ryankleckner.com and buy it, but, but he's told me many times, just tell people to buy it on Amazon. He's a friend of mine. Uh, he's just such a diverse person and entrepreneur. This is a guy who was a, a sniper in the military, uh, came out, went to law school, um, worked as a, a, an attorney, uh, in-house attorney for companies that you know, like Remington. Um, and then since then, he's gone independent. And today he has a legal business where he consults with uh, FFLs to make sure that they're being compliant with ATF regulations. He's also the author of the book I just mentioned and another book for that matter. Uh, and he does some other things as well in the industry. Uh, he really believes in the Second Amendment. And if if you're like me, I'm a handgun shooter, have been for my whole you know entire time I've been shooting guns. I've been shooting handguns. Um, this book is a really good introduction to long-distance precision rifle shooting. And uh, it, it starts a little basic probably for the average gun person. But for me, it's it's been helpful to make sure I don't look like an idiot the next time I'm on a 1,000-yard range and someone hands me a rifle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had Ryan on with... Uh episode one for season two. So not too far, far ago. Um, but yeah, very knowledgeable guy, very diverse in his uh, interest to say the least last question for you, Jacob, where can people find more information about concealedcarry.com and Jacob Paulson? So concealedcarry.com speaks for itself. Uh, that's where you can find all the information on our business. If you're a firearm instructor, I'd encourage you to check out our instructor network, our business directory, where you can get a free listing and also our various affiliate programs where you can earn money by referring people to our site but I have started to write more articles like the one you referenced today about web hosting for the firearms industry. I've been writing more of these, these articles that are designed to be kind of tutorials 
for people like anyone who's listening to this. If you're if you're a fireman instructor, if you're in the fire industry, then I would encourage you to check out my personal website, jacobspaulson.com. And just note that Paulson is spelled S-E-N. So that'd be J-A-C-O-B, S-P-A-U-L-S-E-N.com. And uh, you can go to the topics and sort by all the stuff that has to do with firearm training, if you're so inclined, or you can read all my other random ramblings about other topics as well. Um, but I've, you know, I've written articles recently about uh, Facebook policies and how to work with them to be successful. Uh, PayPal, what you need to do. If, you, if you're using PayPal to take payments for your, for your classes, you better go read my article about PayPal. There's some things you need to know. Uh, and other topics as well related to firearm training. Very good uh, source of uh, information there. And uh, also part of the reason why we got onto, these, onto this topic today, because I saw that and it's like, we need to have a discussion about this. It'll be very good for instructors out there to hear from the man himself when it comes to uh, website presence and uh, making a difference there. So thank you for your time, Jacob. Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Bye. That's a wrap for this episode. And let's announce this week's podcast prize winner. This week's winner is Karen A. She won a $50 SSP eyewear gift card. This week, we we're giving away a 16340 USB rechargeable battery pack. Great little accessories to your flashlights that use those 16340s because you can always find a USB to recharge them with. Remember to visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for the weekly prize giveaway. And remember, your entries do not carry over from week to week. Also, check out our website where you can search for various topics from affiliate marketing to instructor training at farmtrainerpodcast.com. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.